0: Milhaven just saying, I am the aforementioned Tom Becker. And I'm McGrom Milhaven, the only one still defending Scott Frost.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, Nebraska football. I'm glad we're playing North Dakota and not North Dakota State this week. Uh, glad
0: we're playing North Dakota and not um, Northwestern. Again.
1: Right, you know, hey, look, I am now the biggest Northwestern fan. I hope they go on to win the national championship. <laughs>
0: You know, yeah, I here, here's the thing. I, I am just I just wanted on the record that sometimes Nebraska fans give Nebraska fans a bad name. Once a Husker, always a Husker. Stay strong, Scott Frost. I believe in you.
1: No, no, no. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now, you see, you bring up an interesting point here. It's something I've been dealing with here with my Cleveland Browns. Okay, so you bring up an interesting point. So just because you were a Husker you go along even though the team is floundering and even the, and I'm not talking about just somebody that's you know just okay he had a, a bad year or two but the program is on its heels and you just keep on going along with a bad program just because that's what you've always done it's No. The thing, it's, it's, no. It's, it's the same thing with the republicans that know better about Donald Trump they know they know what it is they know what but it's because they're Republicans, they've always been a Republican, they're still going to support the guy?
0: Now, hold on a second. Now, hold on a second. Um, your Cleveland Browns traded for a guy who had 20 rape allegations against him and traded away a good quarterback for a supposedly good quarterback, whatever else. I'm talking about a guy who's had a stretch of bad luck. I still think he's a great coach. I still think he can turn a Nebraska around. So it's a li- far fetched to to say I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. What
1: what did you see in that game last Saturday that made you think that Scott Frost is still a great coach?
0: Um, well, that's a, that's a good question. I was it, the, actually, was, it was it the onside kick? N- well, was,
1: no, it, no. was it the fact that we have no defensive secondary? Or was it the fact that our offensive line is puking? I mean, what what did you see that made you think that Scott Frost is such a great coach?
0: Okay, yeah, it was a bad game, but look, I don't think it. I don't think success is a straight line. I think there are setbacks along the way, and quite frankly, I think when he took over this program, it was going to take ten years to turn the program around. That's how bad it was falling. And okay. and and if you fire a guy. It's still going to take 10 years to turn around. And now you're 10 years away as opposed to five years away.
1: I don't disagree with you on the fact that we're sort of trapped on this because, yeah, I mean, who's going to take the job after, you know, the revolving door of coaches? So I do think we're sort of trapped for a while on this. But you gave me a statistic last well, the other night. You gave me a statistic about Bo Pelini.
0: Yeah.
1: Give me that statistic again.
0: So Bo Pelini was 62. Uh, I'm just off the, the, uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Scott Frost is 15 and 30 at Nebraska. If he wins the next 50 games in a row, Bo Pelini will still have a better record than Scott Frost. Yeah. Yeah. I know young, I, young, what a I, great coach Scott Frost is. I look, I don't think a record indicates how good you're you are, and I quite frankly, I don't think ratings equates to how good you are as a talk show host or a newsman or whatever else. I mean, I, I think in sometimes it's a false barometer. You can be a really good coach and and have a mediocre record. Oh, now I will grant you,
1: I will grant you that. Yeah, look, Scott Frost had a great record there in Central Florida, and if we get rid of him. Scott Frost might go on to, you know, University of Canton or something and have a great record there. So so you, you're right. I mean, there are people that sometimes the fit just isn't right. They can't handle it, whatever that level that is. But you have to judge at some level. And in football, it's the wins and the losses. And we lost another one by less than a touchdown. I yeah. mean, how, how, many, how many games we have to lose like this before you say the guy ain't getting the job done?
0: Or... Or do you say, look how close we are. We, we almost beat Michigan, who went to the playoffs last year, right? I mean, so is the glass? It depends on how you look at it. He's lost all these close games. He, he can't coach, you know, he can't win the, uh, uh, the big one. Maybe he's so close, and you give him a two or three more years, and he can get over the hump. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. The boat sinks in the middle of the ocean. You are swimming
1: to shore. If you don't get to the shore, you drown and die. Scott Frost is not getting to the shore. I will grant you that he, I will grant you that he inherited a dumpster fire. I, I will grant you that. But after all this time, these are his players now. This is his program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His first recruiting class is now seniors. And yeah, it takes time. It takes time. And I don't think wins and losses is not always an accurate barometer of how a coach is doing. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and if you, I get you, are you're judged on wins and losses. Well, yeah, you are, but I think you should be judged on more than that and, and other barometers. And again, when you fire the guy, then you're going to give that guy five years and you're going to wait till his first class is seniors and then fire him. I mean, how many people do you have to fire before you stick with a guy for six, eight, 10 years? I've already agreed with you. Well, then I'm glad you agree.
1: No, I've already agreed with you that we're in a sort of a bit of a trap because yeah, I don't know that firing him is going to be make things all that much better unless we already have the next coach in the system. If we've got the next coach in the system and he's ready to take it over, then maybe uh, we can do this. But you're not going to bring in an Urban Meyer. You're not going to bring in somebody like that, no matter how much money you want to pay him. You know, you're going to bring in you're going to bring in some coach, you know, who had a who had two good years at KU, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's the next big thing.
0: Well, you had you had a guy, Bo Pelini. I know he was a little nuts and a little crazy, but that guy won like nine wins every year. You fired him, then you hired Mike Riley, who you know had you know was at the end of his career. Bill Callahan never should have been the coach. I mean, it's they—they've had a pretty, pretty suspect track record of, of hiring I don't, coaches. I don't
1: know. Look, you're right. You're right. I mean, some of it the administration that hired these guys. I mean, the, yeah,
0: it's and 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 five years ago, how could it be that everybody was so right five years ago that Scott Frost was the greatest assistant in the history of the world, and he's going to turn around and all of a sudden now he's a bum? How, how is that possible? Well, you know what? I think we've seen how it's possible. Well, is he a bum or is he great? I still say he's great. You just got to give him time. That's all.
1: Okay. All right. Well, you know, there's a lot of other crazy things you say, too. So, anyway. So, um, so uh, you, you had, had an interesting conversation earlier in the week. We're on a sports time. We'll get to politics and other stuff in a second here. But we had an interesting conversation the other day about your two-year-old daughter and baseball. Yes. Okay, so some friends were telling you that you, they're upset with you because you haven't taken Emerson to a Cardinals game yet there in St. Louis.
0: I have and- a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine, dear friend of mine. Um, she's uh, a, a huge baseball fan, huge Albert Pujols fan, huge Cardinal fan. And she asked me, How many games have I taken my daughter to Emerson? And I said, I've, I've racked my brain uh, over this question. Because do I take her to go see Alvar Pujols in his last year, the greatest player of his generation, go see Yadier Molina, go see Adam Wainwright, right? last chance to see all these great, great players. And she won't remember, but I'll tell her. Or do I wait a couple of years until she's old enough to remember so that she can remember the first game with her dad?
1: I say save the money and uh, don't take her, but then tell her later that she saw him.
0: <laughs> so so start off her life lying to her.
1: <laughs> you're a father. That's your job.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Are you going to tell, tell her there's no such thing as Santa Claus? <laughs>
0: huh? Wait, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna, yeah, You I'll, I'll, I'll bet she got all excited about the damn Easter Bunny. She bought into that crap. She'll buy that, that she saw Albert Poole when she was two years old.
0: Well, I figured, as you said rightly, she'll be at a. will take her to a charity event when she's six or seven and she'll meet Albert. And then you can, you know, say she met Albert, but what? I thought, but, but you know what, when I was just young enough, Willie Mays was playing for the Mets and they didn't take me to go see Willie Mays in his last year. Um, And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them with never seeing Willie Mays play. Um, because I remember going to that first game a couple of years later, and it, it was still one of the greatest memories of my life.
1: Well, you mean, you mean the, when you finally did, when they finally did take you to a, to a yeah, baseball game? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I will uh, I will always remember the first baseball game my dad took me to. It was I've never seen grass that green in my entire life.
0: Well, that's yeah. well, now they're, now the kids are going to go to the stadium and say, how come the grass is greener on the HD TV at home? How, how come it's so small? How come the players are so small? <laughs> they're so much bigger at home on our 90-inch TV.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So uh, my, when I was in first grade, my dad said that he would take me to an Indians game. That's when they were still the Indians. Uh, take me to an Indians game for every A that I got. It was the first and only time I got straight A's. And so we went to like seven games. And my dad is not a big baseball fan. It was like pissing him off.
0: Why was your dad not a baseball fan?
1: He just wasn't much of a sports guy. You know, I mean, he, he just, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, li- he liked it, but not to the point where he had to buy tickets for his kid and souvenirs for his kid. And, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm in first grade. I'm going, I'm asking him, you know, Dad, I want a program. Dad, I want cotton candy. Dad, I want a balloon. I want a pennant. By well, the way, he
0: didn't like he didn't like baseball because he had an annoying partner to go to the game with, it sounds like. <laughs> My father loved me. Don't talk to me like that. Actually, I'll give you a compliment. I, I, I think I really started to like your radio show in Omaha when the Omaha Royals, that's how long ago it was when they played in Roseblatt, um, when they were banning smoking and you had the Tom Becca smoking section for the last time. <laughs> I was like, this guy likes baseball. I like this guy. This guy's all right. For, for people that
1: don't know, this is this is one of the smoking bans it's first started to really come in. Now, of course, everything is not smoke-free. But back then, you know, there were smoking bans. And they, uh, they were stopping smoking in the stadium using the Omaha Clean Air Act. And I just thought it was rather amusing that they um, were using the Omaha Clean Air Act to, you know, an indoor act. When the stadium was outside, so the folks of the the Royals at the time gave me a hundred tickets to give away on the air, and we passed out cigars and cigarettes, and we we smoked we smoked in the in the section.
0: God yeah. love you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was that one, and then there was another one I liked. Um, now it's just uh it just well, a- let me ask
1: you, okay. Let me ask you. So that was. That was a radio stunt that I did way back when. Are radio stations even doing stunts anymore? Are they even doing things like that to to generate talk, to generate to generate interest to get the TV stations to come out and cover them? I mean, you know, because yeah, when I did that smoking section, I was on the news on, uh, you know, uh, two of the three uh, network stations. You know, I was on the news for two out of the three. Uh, they, they, they covered this. It was something people were talking about. I mean, do radio stations do that anymore i don't hear anything like that anymore i don't I
0: Well, don't first of all anymore. first of all no one works at radio stations anymore it's all programmed from new york and philly
1: yeah
0: uh and those stations that are they're so angry they're all they're doing is selling anger so no you're As talking a about the fact, top
1: radio stations yeah but i mean but even the music stations they're not doing anything
0: it's funny you mention that because yesterday was it yesterday i just did a video for our social media platforms there's an albert Pujol statue in westport that i put out a video saying this needs to be moved to downtown and it's getting a lot of hits because it's my you know it's my little you know civic duty to sort of promote the fact that this albert Pujol statue should be seen by all and not such few in some weird obscure place
1: so now the now the radio stunts Are being done for hits and not for TV coverage or newspaper coverage.
0: Yeah, people are watching. People are watching the internet. They're not watching local news.
1: Oh man, I'll tell you. uh, Well, don't say that.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) you you know, local news. (laughs) (laughs) They only watch Becca's beat.
1: But you know, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. But there is an issue. I think that uh, that you know, news stations are having an issue with. Okay, how do you get people to pay attention to the news? Because you know, a lot of the news is bad, you know, and then you got everything going on right now with Trump and that's, you know, people dividing them left and right, you know? So, you know, that's the issue is like, how do you get people to, you know, to pay attention to the news, to want to tune in and actually hear what's going on in their community? You know, half the people don't believe it anyway. You know, know,
0: it's, it's so interesting because I know you get this, you get people who say Omaha world Herald, haven't read it, that right-wing, wacko rag. I haven't read it in 20 years. You're telling me you've been uninformed on your local community for 20 years, right? I, I get people all the time, oh, post-dispatch, it's a rag. I don't believe anything it says. I'm, and I'm like, well, it, it reported on the fact that Albert Pujols hit a home run last night. Do you believe that? So I, I, I get, I don't understand, the people need to understand that no matter how much you might disagree with the opinion page of a local newspaper, they're your most important source between anarchy and d- democracy.
1: Oh, I, I, I do fear for democracy for that very reason. You know, I mean, look, we don't have time. The newspaper spread very thin. They don't have time to do big, deep investigative reporting. You know, they don't have the time for that. They don't have the, the resources for that anymore. And even if, even if they do, even if the St. Louis Post-Dispatch or the World Herald comes up with some big... Um an expose on something that the governor or the mayor does or whatever. If they come up with a big expose on that, people's attention spans are like that. I mean, yeah. they, they, you know, it'd be like they just wait it out. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, this literally looks bad, but wait 15 minutes, there'll be some Kardashian story and people yeah. uh, forget all about it. Yeah.
0: Well, and the person who this story's about then just badmouths the delivery system, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden half the people don't believe it anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. So, um, speaking of which, speaking of which, I went last Saturday before the Huster game. The Huster game was the second thing I went to that gave me a headache. I went to. You didn't an right, the Huster game. Well, I watched. I watched it on TV. I went to an election integrity forum.
0: That's weird.
1: Oh, that's oh, that's the other thing too. Okay, so you know they they say all the the right wingers the far right wing say much they hate the media right. Yeah, I learned about this election integrity forum from a press release I got from somebody in Atlanta telling me that, hey, we want you to go there. You know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because you hate the media so much, right? So I went to see what it was all about. And I went 100 people. About Hold, 100 on, people a second. Hold on a second.
0: Is that like Donald Trump hating the New York Times and only talking to Maggie Haberman in the Oval Office?
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 You know... Um
0: yeah. That. What is what is the election integrity meeting?
1: Well, it's From all about idea. it's all about how our elections are being stolen. And I keep on looking for, you know, I keep on looking for proof. And they just keep on talking about, you know, this could happen or that could happen, or, you know, but they're not giving you any proof. And and that's the thing that's just so damn frustrating. It's like, well, what if? Well, yeah, what if? Are are we wrong for asking the question? You're not wrong for asking the question if there's probable cause. You know you're not, but you're but you're wrong for trying to just keep on instilling the doubt in the people about the election security.
0: Did anybody ask the question? What happens if there's a riot while they're counting the electoral college votes and someone steals the back the ballots? They ask about that. I know that didn't, no, I didn't, that didn't come up. No, that
1: didn't come up. Well, it might have come up later in the day. I didn't stay for the whole thing.
0: Yeah,
1: I didn't stay for the whole thing. I was just wanted to see what it was like, and um, you know, it's just yeah. So anyway, so, okay. So the guy that's putting it on, guy that's putting it on ran to be Secretary of State, and he lost to the incumbent, thankfully. So now he's running as a writing candidate for governor. And he seemed like a nice enough guy. He's not a dumb guy. He seemed like a nice enough guy and talking with him. And I asked him, I said, so if you win the governor's race, if you win the election, will you believe the results then? What do you think he said? No. Precisely, so even if he wins, he won't believe the results. Well, of course, uh, neither would I, only because no right in candidate ever wins
0: an election. That's not true. Lisa Murkowski won a right in vote for oh, U.S. Okay. Senate yeah, up yeah, in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. once in a while you get a nutty one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, he has another back, he doesn't have the political backing that Lisa Murkowski has,
0: he doesn't have that. So, what yeah. You know, it was a big, you know, it was a big story this, this, this week that I don't think enough people are stopping and remembering <laughs> the death of uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. I, I mean, that guy changed the world, man.
1: Uh, Yeah. No, you're right. And I, rem- I remember like Rush Limbaugh and those making fun of him for trying to uh, tear down the Soviet Union.
0: Well, I mean, remember he, he met with Reagan in Reykjavik and you know pr- uh, proposed this whole you know doing away with a whole nuclear you know yeah. arsenal, and Reagan was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, right? I mean that sort of came out of nowhere. He was the evil empire, and then he ended up you know opening up the Soviet Union and it collapsed under his watch and because
1: um, they wanted blue jeans and rock and roll
0: yeah, and uh, you know he, he apparently he cut a deal with Jim Baker. And I didn't learn. I, I, I knew some of this, but I didn't know this. But apparently. He cut a deal with Jim Baker and he said, look, I'll tear down the Berlin Wall and reunify Germany if you guys promise not to expand NATO. And they shook on it and agreed to it. And NATO did not expand until Clinton came into office and said, that's over with. He's gone let's expand NATO with, with, uh, with, all those Russian satellite countries.
1: Well, and the reason for that also was because, was because the, the attitude that Gorbachev had was no longer enough in, in Russia, you know, and you had, you had, you know, what Putin was doing, you know? So, I mean,
0: well, right. And then, well, the first it was Boris Yeltsin and then it was uh, Putin, but, and then remember Reagan when he stood at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's my Reagan slash JFK um, impression. And, anyway. and by the way, they both suck. <laughs> <laughs> but they told him, George Schultz told Reagan, you cannot do that. You cannot call out the Soviet premier. You cannot do that. And Reagan said, watch me. And they went out. And in Reagan's library, you see the speech and you see the little markings that Reagan put on his speech that said Mr Gorbachev tear down this wall. I was um
1: I was at the uh Gerald Ford Museum this summer. Uh there in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And they got a big old chunk of the Berlin Wall in that museum and every time I see it, every time I've been to other museums where it's there and it just it it gives me chills every time.
0: Uh you know? I've I've been to Berlin and they The wall is gone. There's a few places where they left it as a, as a, you know, as a historical whatever, but they've replaced it with two cobblestone strips, right? So wherever the wall was, there's the two cobblestone strips. So you, you like drive down the street and all of a sudden you see this like line of cobblestones as it goes. And I'm not kidding you. It literally goes like up over buildings between streets, between houses, through houses, it is the nuttiest thing. You're like, that was the wall? And I'm like, yeah, that was the wall. And it was just – there was no rhyme or reason for this thing. Uh, going to Berlin and learning about the wall was amazing. And I didn't know this till I went there. First of all, at the Brandenburg Gate – excuse me, at uh, Checkpoint Charlie, there's now a giant at McDonald's right there. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know this, but because Russia – was our ally in world war ii americans could cross into west berlin and to east berlin without any papers or anything like that the germans couldn't but americans could and they were all they they we, they you just showed them your passport and they had to let you walk right into east berlin
1: oh i didn't know that yeah
0: yeah it was real and then there were these there were these soldiers there in American uniforms and um, uh, right there at the, the checkpoint. And uh, we wanted to get our pictures taken with them. And they were like, we love Americans. We're American GIs. They were from Kazakhstan, <laughs> dressed up as American soldiers.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I wonder if they still feel that way now <laughs> after, uh, after all this time. What do, you, what, do you make, what do you make about these documents they found at Mar-a-Lago? Trump had Trump had documents in his desk. You know he doesn't email. He doesn't email. Everything's on the phone. What did he need those documents right in, in his desk for? Also, did you see that like, back in October, I believe it was back in October, a report from the Hill that said that the CIA put out a memo talking about operatives that had been either killed, captured, or compromised. That uh, that like back in October, um, could that be a coincidence that that was happening? while Trump had all these secret documents there at Mar-a-Lago?
0: Well, I mean, someone's I'm... talking. Someone's talking. Because it's amazing that the National Archives and the FBI knew exactly what he had and where he had them. Right. So somebody's in there talking, whether it's somebody inside Trump's circle or somebody who's a double agent in Moscow is saying, hey, we're getting all this intel from you know, somebody named Rump. Who do you think it could be? Um, so I don't know. But you know what? We need to start calling these documents what they are. There's just they're stolen documents from the White House. Yeah, that's what they are. They they don't belong to him. They belong to the United States government. He's not president anymore. We don't have a monarchy. We don't have he once the president steps down, he becomes a regular citizen. He doesn't have access. He doesn't he doesn't allowed to have these things. It would be like if you got fired from your job and you started taking computers and p- papers from your company, you would be stealing from your company. I know, I know. Um... And, 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 and the, the, irony, the irony is that he, he, he was swept into office with lock her up because she was using an unsecured server for documents she was allowed to see and he steals documents that he wasn't allowed to see and keeps them in his house and then, and then does everything he can to lie to try and keep them when they're trying to get them back. Is amazing. And then you, got, then
1: you got that freaking little weasel Lindsey Graham talking about violence.
0: What a clown he is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. So the, 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 the party of the rule of law and of democracy and of the Constitution sure has a hard time being a party of the rule of law, democracy, and the constitution.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, and how the here's and here's the here's the thing. Because the Republicans know that they they can't they can't completely just get rid of the crackpots, right? They need them. They need the Trumpers, they need the MAGA people. But they also need the moderates. And there's really like, you know, the twain shall not meet. I mean. Well,
0: you keep losing with Trump people. He lost the first election. He won, right? He, he won the, the, the Electoral College. He threaded that needle. But since then, he's lost the presidency. He's lost the House of Representatives. He lost the Senate. Um, and, you know, if the focus stays on Trump, I know people are like, oh, we don't want Trump to run. I think Democrats want them to run. Oh, I, I agree.
1: Us? I agree, but you know what? But I don't think it's healthy for America. I no, mean, you know, you know. I think I think it just puts a bigger divide in there. I mean, we got to get, you know, we, we got to get like moderate, intelligent people running, and there are those. They don't get the attention. They don't get the. Um, they don't get the press. They don't get the people paying noticing them as much. I mean, you know, sane politicians that are working behind the scenes don't make the news cycle.
0: Well, they, you know, there's de- a lot. Rev- of-
1: Lindsey Graham calling for violence makes the news cycle.
0: Yeah. But Lindsey Graham is just as insane as we've got a Congresswoman here, Corey Bush, who, you know, literally wants to defund the Pentagon and Boeing is her largest employer in her district. So explain that one. So, I mean, she's just as insane as the rest of them.
1: Yeah. And, and we got a Congressman here, Don Bacon, who actually Trump wanted to find somebody to run against him in the primary and nobody, uh, nobody could, nobody would. Um, but Don Bacon's a sensible guy. Matter of fact, he's one of the most uh, bipartisan congressmen there on uh, on the Hill, and he gets blasted from the far right and and the Democrats. I, I think that Adam I think Adam Kinzinger hit the nail on the head when he talked about the Democrats got to stop funding these crazies if they want to get you know if they keep asking uh, where are all the sane Republicans? Then you know they got to support the sane Republicans, you know, and and, and that's uh Uh, I think Don Bacon, I've not voted for a Republican other than uh, mayor here at Omaha, uh, but I'll probably vote for Don Bacon, only because uh, the guy that he's running against is a good guy. But, um, you know, Don's good with his constituents, and he's not a Trump-crazy guy, and I think you got to support
0: that sort of stuff. All right, well, there you go. No truer words have ever been spoken. I'll support that guy if you support uh, Scott Frost, and we'll call it a day.
1: Uh, Well, no. I, I, look, I don't, I don't hate Scott Frost. Look, Scott Frost might end up having a great rest of the season. Maybe this was just a fluke, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? We get a couple of easy wins under our belt uh, this week and next week. They play Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma. You know, I mean, look, it's it, it, a lot of football left to be played. So I'm not giving up about Scott Frost yet. But yeah, look,
0: I, I, I've lived in St. Louis the last 20 years. They ran Kurt Warner out of town. He goes on to, you know, become a Hall of Fame quarterback and take the Arizona Cardinals within an eyelash of winning the the Super Bowl. They ran, uh, you know, how many coaches out of town for the Blues, and they all end up winning, you know, Stanley Cups with, with other people. So, you know, again, you, you can't judge a coach by necessarily the record. You just can't do it. And that's the name of that tune.
1: All right.
0: Well, can I go to dinner now?
1: Yeah, we got we got to. I got to run. I got things I got to do, so I've had enough of you anyway. So, um, uh, one of the stories I think that needs to be reported more uh, before we go, uh, Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys fame is suing the FBI. He wants to know what the FBI has on the monkeys, and uh, and I, I think I think we all need to know what the FBI has on the monkeys. Because let's face it, McGraw, you know, you and I are both in some database somewhere there in uh, with the FBI or the Secret Service. Because you've been in the White House, I've been in the White House. Uh, you know, we've interviewed, you know, the, these candidates and, uh, and 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 you know, the president and stuff. Well you you interviewed, you interviewed Cheney, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I've been I've been to you know I've been to rallies where the president was, and you know you got to go through security checks and all that. I've done my show from the White House, you know, and so we're we're in a database there somewhere.
0: That's I would amazing. hope. I would hope I'm in a database somewhere. I think it'd be yeah. awesome. All right, here's a story for me that. By you, the you way, get. by the way, you know
1: what? Wouldn't it be funny if the database we were in was in uh, in, Trump's off- in Trump's office? In Trump's office,
0: my room. Top secret. Yeah. Here's my story. Uh, so Albert Pujols is um, two home runs away from tying Alex Rodriguez, three from breaking Alex Rodriguez's uh, record, and he's like five away from 700 home runs. Okay. But the other day, he hit a home run off his 450th pitcher okay which broke barry bond's record for hitting more home runs off of pitchers than anybody else okay he so the 450th pitcher was a guy named ross detweiler okay he's a journeyman pitcher pitching for the cincinnati reds who grew up in wentzville missouri rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals and watching Albert Pujols play in junior high and high school. That's it? And he grew up to, to be the 450th pitcher Albert Pujols hit a home runoff.
1: But, you know, I mean, um, no? here's the thing, if you're, if, you're, if you're a team that's really out of the uh, uh, pennant race right now, if you're a team that's out of the pennant race, uh you gotta think, okay, you're pitching Albert Pujols. You got a chance of beating A-Rod, you know, so and the total home runs. You gotta throw you gotta throw them uh, softball, don't you? I mean
0: Well, what I wouldn't do to be on the list of major league pitchers who gave up a home run to, to Albert Pujols.
1: <laughs> well, that explains why you like Scott Frost so much. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, my friend. Have a great day. Later, man. Bye.
0: Ahoda Media Production.